hope everyone is doing well today. And welcome to the Better Candidate Podcast hosted by Chris Salato. And if you haven't guessed, that is me. Before getting started, I want to thank everyone listening today for tuning in. This is the first episode of the Better Candidate Podcast. And with that, I want to introduce the show uh, and what it's all about. So this podcast is for those law students who want to embark on a journey of learning how to sell oneself and how to be confident throughout law school, legal internships, and legal interviews. These concepts will be taught through conversations and interviews with legal professionals, law students, and motivators. While this is geared towards law students, these concepts can apply to young adults and young professionals alike. Now with that, let me give a little background about myself. I'm currently a second year law student at Syracuse University College of Law, and I've been blessed to have had some really great internship experiences at a Fortune 500 company, as well as other publicly traded companies. However, I, along with tens of thousands of law students, have at times felt as if I was out of place at law school, trying to figure out how to get into a routine and just feel more confident in the skills and abilities that I possess. And it's, it's those times in particular and those experiences that help me come up with the idea for this podcast. I want to be able to help others like me and take them along on a journey of growth and development, both professionally and personally. With that, today's episode, episode one, will be focused on dealing with adversity and overcoming common issues that law students and young professionals commonly experience. So with that, let's get into the episode and let me introduce Mr. Luke Tim. I met him early on in high school. Uh, We played football together in his senior year, my sophomore year. He led our team to a New York State Championship appearance. And as someone who played the same positions as him, and was behind him on the depth chart, you know, he was someone I I looked up to and learned from. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're willing to to speak to me and the listeners and share some of your knowledge and experience. Uh, I appreciate it. Salado, thank you for having me on. Thank you for the introduction. You're too kind. You're too kind. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I could uh, mentor you on the field. I hope I... uh, you know, I was a little crazy back then. I hope I didn't steer you in the wrong direction off the field, but, um, you know, now we're here. So, um, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's great to, you know, reconnect with you right now. Now the pleasure is all mine, Luke. But so, you know, I know I know a little bit about you, but, uh, you know, for all the listeners, you mind telling us uh, what you're up to now? Where do you live? What do you do for a living? Just, uh, you know, share a little bit about yourself. So I live in Manhattan, specifically in East Village, New York City. I work as an underwriter for a commercial insurance company. We do insurance for contractors within the five boroughs, general liability, workers' comp insurance. On the side, I'm working on my public speaking slash life coaching slash education consulting business called Touch Streets. My cousin and I are partners. Our main focus is in telling our stories, which is about his story is mental health, my story is substance abuse, sharing that experience and uh, helping people to create positive changes in their lives. So we've been doing that for the past couple months. We just had our first paid speaking event uh, last week on Tuesday at Pace University uh, Business School. And so we're kind of just ramping things up on that end. Yeah, that's that's actually crazy to hear. You know, you've been doing this for a couple months. You started your partnership not too long ago, and you're already getting paid gigs. That's awesome. So you mind sharing, uh, you know, what what gave you that motivation and your story a little bit? Most definitely. I used to be that person that had all these ideas and didn't execute on them for the longest time. Um, So basically, my story goes back to, you know, we'll start in high school. 
when you and I were on the same football team, as you said before, you know, went to the state championship, broke four state records, and I had this big reputation in our town as, you know, the star athlete. That definitely got to my head, and I was partying a lot. I was smoking weed a lot every single day. Um, so my parting habits were not great. My habits in school were not great. Uh, but luckily, I was just naturally smart when I was younger, and that kind of carried me through. Um, and on the field, I, I still got it done while doing all that stuff. So I didn't really realize there was an issue there. But I ended up getting recruited to go play Division One football at Princeton University. That was when it all kind of, or I guess reality started to hit. I ended up getting arrested on campus. Uh, it was basically my second time getting arrested, but this one was, uh, you know, the first one was minor. It was for weed possession, but this time was definitely the real deal. And uh, it was in front of a lot of my fellow students. Got suspended from Princeton for a year. And I had a lot of time to reflect. And for probably six months after I left Princeton, I was going back and forth, getting sober for a couple of weeks and then, you know, just cycling right back into um, my old habits. And finally, enough was enough. And I decided to get help. And I reached out to somebody very close to me who helped me get sober and got me into uh, AA program. And so from 421.18. So coming on five years in about a week and a half, I'll be five years sober. And so that's really what has led me to the point I am today. Um, if I didn't get sober, I would still be, you know, I don't, I don't think I would have graduated Princeton University. I, I know I wouldn't have had the opportunities today that I have. And once I got sober, I finally started working on myself and was able to um, find a passion and a purpose, which was sharing my story in the hopes of somebody else being able to identify with some issues that I was having and be able to hopefully help another person. And in doing so, I decided to partner up with my cousin who was in the mental health space and create an official business out of this. First of all, congratulations on five years sober, man. That That's uh, a great accomplishment. And to, to overcome what, you know, happened to you is just... Uh, amazing in and of itself. So congratulations on that. Appreciate it big time, Chris. Yeah, no problem. You know, I, I imagine throughout having these little stints of being sober and then, you know, going back to to the drugs and alcohol and even the arrest, I'm sure you've had your your experiences with, with attorneys and law enforcement. Uh, do, do you mind talking about thoughts that were kind of going through your head during those run-ins with, with attorneys and during those uh, experiences with law enforcement? you know, the, the attorneys on your side and the ones against you. Yeah. Um, so I, I've had to go to court three separate times. One time was in high school. I got in trouble for uh, possession of weed while driving. Um, I got a couple different, like, I don't know if they're mis considered misdemeanors, but basically a bunch of tickets. I go to court for that. Um, my uncle was my attorney. Actually, my uncle uh, is a lawyer in the area so he was my first lawyer my second lawyer was um a princeton lacrosse alumni and that was after when i got in trouble with the smoking weed incident and then my third lawyer was he was a lawyer in the area somebody else had gotten in trouble at princeton and recommended him to me he knew like the local police 
And so I definitely did feel some remorse and gratitude um, just to the fact that, you know, there was people that were trying to help me get out of a situation. I just had a problem and I didn't know that I had a problem until after my last arrest. I had to go to court about six times. Very expensive one. It was a lot of headaches, of course, with people in my life that uh, were close to me, were disappointed, and that wasn't a good feeling. But mm. and and you know, the, you kind of touched on this earlier. What would you say are the the main messages that you try and share that stem directly from you know your experience? And and I'm sure almost everything you talk about touches on it. But what are the the major you know main messages? Uh, your circle is very important. The people that you surround yourself with. Um, I don't think I surrounded myself with the most positive people. Caring about what other people think. Uh, I was a constant people pleaser, always trying to be funny, have people's approval. It could be torturous. I would just say that you know, you'll never regret working hard. Never. Yes, school is not fun. I don't think school is fun. Most people don't. But I just know those habits would have carried into other aspects of my life. Yeah, and, and especially I think going from high school to college and then, you know, in my situation, being in law school, I think as you graduate to that next level, you know, people kind of expect you to put that I don't want to say pressure on yourself, but set yourself up to be successful. And that's why, you know, everything you just said, that's why when I was playing around with this idea for the podcast, your name almost instantly came to mind as someone I wanted to, to talk to, because I know that you, you know, have these experiences. I'm sure you know that, you know, everybody learns from their failures um, more than their successes. And, and with that, you know, I, I want to address some of the common issues, you know, gearing this towards law students that they uh, have regarding their confidence and mindset. Um, and I think while I'm gearing this conversation towards law students, these concepts that, that I'm hoping, you know, we'll touch upon, uh, they'll apply to all college students, all young professionals, all young adults. So I guess getting into the first issue, I know from talking with kids in, in the Syracuse University College of Law, that sometimes, you know, people only get accepted into one or two college of laws, whether that be another state's college or one across the country. So they have to kind of pick mm -hmm. up their whole life and move it, right? They, they have to relocate, build new relationships, build a new foundation. So, you know, I'm just wondering what kind of advice you would have for someone in that type of situation where they're building a new foundation in a completely new place. I would just say, open your mind, explore many different things. Just put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to fail, to look dumb. So many people, including myself, you know, are so fearful of what other people think. I think that's, you know, part of the stuff that we're doing is, I don't know if you see on Instagram, but my cousin and I, we dress up as Spider-Man and we go out in the streets in New York City and ask people what their superpowers are, what their uh, kryptonite is, questions like that. You know, it's just like, why don't we do the craziest things and really get out of our comfort zone? Because it's like, we can do anything we want if we get to that point. And so don't worry about what other people think. Go out there, try a ton of different things. Join a bunch of different groups. 
have a good time. My message to people is don't party, don't drink, just, just know yourself. Because at the end of the day, like you just want to meet a bunch of new people. And especially if you're going to law school, you're meeting a bunch of like-minded individuals. Because at the end of the day, you're just going to regret the things you didn't do. You know, I think that logic applies to, you know, a whole variety of issues that arise for law students. Um, and, and one of the ones I want to touch on is the so-called imposter syndrome. And for the listeners that, that don't know what imposter syndrome is, I looked it up straight out of the dictionary. The definition is perfect. Persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud, despite evidence of one's ongoing success. You know, basically what that means is uh, someone has been successful. And in this case, the kid's a law student now. He was smart enough to take the LSAT and be accepted into law school, beating out hundreds and and thousands of other applicants. Um, But they feel they don't belong still. So I'm just curious, have you ever had this feeling? Yeah, and if so, you might provide an example. So in my experience, it's funny, I have always had over-the-top confidence in myself for most things, I would say. Like, I didn't put the work in, and but I would still believe that I would do these great things. Like, I always had uh, insane belief in myself, which I think played to my benefit, but also played to my demise because it was unrealistic at the same time. I think to the people that do put the work in and they don't believe in themselves, it's like, you, you got to ask yourself why. What What is it? What's the root cause of you thinking that way? Because if everybody else, you know, had to get in the same exact way as you, what is it that is blocking, like it's clouding who you really are in your mind? I think a lot of people kind of just get caught in their head and are worried about saying the perfect thing. Everybody has fear. Everybody... Uh, is worried about something and nobody is judging you as hard as you think people are judging you. So if you have imposter syndrome, I think the best way to combat that is to just go right towards the fear. And I think if you, if you have imposter syndrome, it's probably difficult for you to speak out in class because you don't think you belong there. It's like, Oh, well, my, my voice is, isn't going to be heard or it's going to be heard and people are going to think down on it people aren't going to put you down for sharing what you think is right. And if they do, they're not good people. So at the end of the day, I think just go right towards the fear, you know, because at the end of the day, it's just a belief. Like beliefs can be shifted and it starts with action and you start taking the little actions every single day to get yourself out of that comfort zone. I think you can tear down those limiting beliefs and realize that you are exactly where you're supposed to be. No, yeah. And and going to what you said with not speaking out in class, you know, especially in my 1L year, but now too, you know, as a 2L, there'd be times where where I have 40 pages to read for a class the next day. So I'll read the 40 pages in an hour and a half, two hours, and I'll feel like I, I took one sentence out of that 40 pages that I actually remember, right, that I learned. Then I'll go into class the next day and, you know, praying I don't get called on. My heart's beating by me putting it in my head that, oh, you know, there's no way I can answer this question right. And then hearing someone in the back get it, you know, right. uh, I think 
at least for me and, and I'm sure other law students, you know, that's kind of the contributing factor for why we, we feel that imposter syndrome. But, and like you said before, we learn from our failures. So even if they get called on or you volunteer the, uh, the information, the answer, and you're wrong, the professors will still come at you, ask you questions until you get it right. So you're learning that whole process. Mm. So I think not, you know, being afraid because your classmates might think you're, um, you know, not smart just for getting one question wrong in class that probably three quarters of the kids don't even know. I think learning how to not care about what others think is is really big in in facing and resolving that imposter syndrome. Um, Can I ask you a question? So when the teacher asks the question, what do answers usually pop to your mind at all? You know, sometimes, but uh, then what happens is, you know, I think I'll have an answer and I'm looking through my notes frantically, my heart's pounding, and then it's just, I kind of go blank sometimes, you know, and then once mm. I get other person's name called, I, I feel relieved. But then once they say the answer, I said, oh, you know, that was what I was thinking. Yeah. So maybe uh, a good exercise would be to just, just go for it. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, at the end of the day, can it kill you? That's what I always try to think when I do things and I'm fearful, my heart's pounding. Like, is this, is this going to kill me? Why, will, will I wake up the next day after whatever just happened? And, you know, it's always yes. You always get more comfortable. That's, that's the thing. It's every, every time you do it, the less uh, uncomfortable you'll be. I think something like growth mindset is something I wish I knew about when I was younger is like, you know, when I thought I wasn't good at studying, I thought I wasn't good at reading. If I just kept doing it and doing it, my brain would actually get stronger and it would, become better at all those different tasks like some people might be able to overcome that fear of speaking out in class more than you but at the end of the day you can get to a point where you're comfortable speaking out if you just keep going forward and going for it so yeah no absolutely you know something that i kind of touched on i didn't really say it but you know with the heart pounding i i think that's a little bit of anxiety right i'm anxious to uh, again the being called on and then answering wrong, I'm, I'm, I'm a little anxious. So with that, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of statistics out there on law students with not only anxiety, depression, you know, just overall loneliness, but also substance abuse, right? I kind of want to switch gears and get into that because I, I think, you know, your experiences lend you some really great insight that I think, you know, myself and the listeners could all benefit from. Let me let me share with you these some of these statistics, right? So, okay. and before I, I get into that, actually, the, the substance abuse, the you know depression, anxiety symptoms, you know overall loneliness, common causes of those are the you know the many work hours, the sleepless nights, the stress of deadlines coming up, and just a lack of a routine. And I felt in my one L year that summer going in, I would wake up at six in the morning, I'd work out shower eat breakfast start work literally five days a week right mm. would come do it all again the next week and then once i hit law school that routine was out the window you know my classes were at different times than my work schedule was mm. um, i wasn't going to the gym I, I probably went to the gym twice a month um that entire fall and spring semester combined which mm. for me and and you know for everybody that that's not a good thing right you got to 
yeah keep up with your your you know activity go even if it's just you know walking on the treadmill um but for me obviously i weight lift so that's mm -hmm. just hard on me because i knew that because of the schedule change i didn't have my routine and because i didn't have my routine i think that contributed to that kind of imposter syndrome and that that anxiousness so with that said i want to share with you some of the statistics um there was a survey on law student well-being involving 15 law schools. Mm -hmm. uh, now at Syracuse University College of Law, there's about 200 students in my class. So if you times that by the three classes in the school, you get 600 students, right? Times the 15 law schools that participated. You could say it's a rough, you know, 9,000 students that part participated. 28% of these students had depression symptoms. 19% had anxiety symptoms. Regarding substance abuse, 13.9% considered themselves alcoholics. 14% used prescription drugs without a prescription. 25% of them smoked weed and 6% used cocaine on a regular basis. Now, common justifications uh, included to increase concentration, uh, increase alertness, and to gain an advantage over other students. And I guess those are more towards the substance abuse side, which is yeah. you know, a little strange to think about. But mm -hmm. you know, having been through what you have, what would you tell those students that participated and, and you know contributed to these statistics if you had them right here listening to this podcast right now? To start, I would say the reasoning isn't crazy. You know, someone someone makes sense, right? These drugs can have certain effects, and a lot of these effects can be beneficial, right? Like people drink alcohol to help them relax, help them in social settings. You know, people do cocaine to be more alert, right? People do Adderall to focus more. You know, I don't think it's dumb to justify it that way, but they need to know that in the long term, none of that stuff is stable. Right. At the end of the day, all those things are quick fixes that have ramifications. So, yeah, that, you know, that substance might be you know, making you less nervous. It might be helping you with your focus. But at the end of the day, it's going to run you to the ground. And you can see those statistics are high with anxiety and depression. I'm sure there's a high correlation between the two. I tell people if drinking smoking drugs any of that stuff is getting in the way of your goals or it's ruining relationships if it's getting in the way of some sort of aspect of your life then it's time to reconsider okay maybe i need to try moderation maybe i need to try abstinence right like it doesn't necessarily just have to go right to abstinence i, I believe some people can moderate right and really actually try to work on that and i would say instead of looking for the quick fix I would go for other sorts of remedies that are out there that, you know, may not, you know, you can't just take a pill and they all of a sudden work. But if you implement them on a daily basis, then these habits are going to help you have more focus. They're going to help you, you know, put your mindset in the right direction. Like we were talking about exercise. That was the most integral, important thing for me getting sober was exercise. You know, I felt energy. Uh, I saw myself improving through that. It helped with my sleep, all these different things. I think exercise is super key. I think having some sort of healthy thing to build up on the side is always helpful. And like, 
you know, joining some sort of club or extracurricular activity, learning like how to dance, learning something else. I think stuff like that, um, you know, people might say that, well, it takes up more time. But if you spent some time doing that as an outlet instead of those other things, you would actually start to see a lot of benefits within your studies. And so just instead of looking for something on the outside to help you with that focus, look internally and, you know, it's, it's hard work. It's no one saying that, you know, working on yourself is easy. Yes. It's tough. Change is tough, but um, that is really the only way to grow. And I think growth is the key to just overall wellness and happiness. And and with that, you were saying, you know, look internally, right. And with looking internally, one thing I want to touch on is changing, you know, someone's mindset, just kind of redefining success. And, and, and I know something I've, I've lived by, you know, my, my whole 22 years uh, on this earth. I remember every day waiting for the bus in elementary school. And as I was taking the steps out of my front door with the bus pulling up, my parents would tell me whether it was my mom or my dad who was with me that day, they would say, be a leader, not a follower. And they would say those six words every single day. And I think, you know, that is something I take with me and everything I do, right? Whether it's in school, whether it's at a, in a social setting. And I, I think, you know, every time I, I feel worried and a little anxious, right? Especially in class mm-hmm. and feed off of what everybody else says. Uh, I'm not really being a leader, right? I'm just following. So uh, I think with the exercise that you, you know, I guess, challenged me with combined with that saying, I think that could help a lot of people. And I know one thing that has repeatedly happened to me throughout law school is, again, going through my notes, reading the textbook, feeling like I didn't learn anything. Um, mm-hmm. But redefining success, I think, is huge to to resolving that issue, right? So that means appreciating the little victories, the little successes. Again, you know, the one sentence I remember don't think of it like, oh, out of the 40 pages, I remember one sentence. Think of it as I remember something, you know, let's let's keep this going. It gives you motivation to kind of review that textbook again, review those 40 pages, review your notes. So it gives you mm-hmm. motivation and, and keeps you chugging along. Um, and I think that that helps me out a lot. So, you know, what do you share with with people a lot and regards to redefining success and changing mindset to get things done. First thing, I think that's amazing what your parents would say to you every day. Um, I think it's so important to instill, you know, positive sayings, positive beliefs. I think it's looking at yourself where you are today and just trying to build on that a little tiny bit. Again, looking outward, comparing yourself with other people, which it's this time in the world right now, it's the hardest and it's ever been to not look outward because everything is about comparing on social media, you know, comparing the workplace, wherever you are, comparing in school, you know, there's grades and yeah, there's competition. Competition can be good, but you want to compete with yourself. You don't want to, you don't want to always be competing on the outside world. And I know that that type of motivation can help, 
But if you focus on that type of motivation too much, it can drive you into the ground. So again, look inwards, look at sort of metrics of where you're at today. And it doesn't necessarily have to be super analytical, but it can just kind of be comparing where you were at, you know, a month before or the year before, um, the day before and saying, okay, I have 40 more pages of reading underneath my belt than I did, you know, the day before. Um, and just realizing that the more and more I put in, the more and more I'm going to get out and that it's going to, it's just going to come. It's not, you don't have to worry about the external results. Just worry about the process because with the process will come the results. And, and I, I think everything you just said is, you know, relates back to what you said about nobody will regret working hard. And mm-hmm. I think everything, all the stories, all the experiences you've had and, and shared with us is invaluable and very important on, on anyone's path to success. Right. And I think that our listeners should should go back and listen to those pieces that they've taken out of, oh, that's that's interesting that I think I should implement that in my life, whether it be, you know, the six word saying that I was talking about or just remembering I'll never regret working hard. I think they should go back and, and listen to that each and every day. Uh, I know our high school coach, he was big on writing down the goals and reading those goals once in the morning, once at night, every single day. Right. And I think mm-hmm. while these aren't necessarily goals, I think they're they're important ways to live our, uh, people's lives by. And I, I think reading them every day and it'll take, what, two minutes to read your your one page of, you know, motivation for the day. So I think everybody should go implement that in their lives. And everything you said, you know, I've been taking notes this whole time. You know, you, you taught me a lot. And so I, I appreciate that a lot. I'm, I'm just glad I can pay forward and help somebody else. And it's. It's been an honor. You know, I feel super privileged to be where I am today. The fact that I, I you know a lot of people don't get to overcome this, the stuff that I overcame. And sometimes I forget to um, look back and it's like moments like this, you know, hearing you say those things, it, it really does mean a lot to me because, it, you know, I know I'm, I'm doing the right things and I know that I want to continue on this journey. So I, I appreciate that. And it's just, and just going back on what you said before, it's just keep those positive thoughts, those positive beliefs at the forefront of your mind. So you just want to consume positivity. You want to surround yourself with positivity. Surround yourself with who you want to be. It's so easy to get, you know, just be a consumer, being a consumer and not really realizing what you're consuming. So control what you consume. And and with that, you know, where can listeners go to to reach out to you and consume the the great advice that you have for everyone touch streets is the name of our brand so on instagram at touch streets at tiktok at touch streets you can follow me on instagram and tiktok as well luke tim uh l-u-k-e-t-i-m-m um and i'm also on linkedin which i really want to start posting daily content on linkedin which was something that we were talking about before was fear i have a fear of my writing I'm much more comfortable speaking. It's something that I've always been pretty good at. And writing has been something that uh, I've kind of felt that I'm not very good at and I'm a little bit insecure of, like we were saying before, just go towards the fear because it's going to make you better. So follow me on LinkedIn at Luke Tim. Yeah, I uh, would appreciate if anybody checks it out. It means a lot. I'd love to connect too. If anybody's going through something, whether it be substance abuse or they're just going through some sort of adversity, 
I would love to talk. Uh, I'm somebody who's become pretty good at creating change in their lives. And that's what I want to do. I want to help people create change in their lives. Um, whether that be substance abuse, mental health related, or just helping them implement some sort of positive habit that can elevate their lives. Like that's my goal at the end of the day. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate it. And thank you again for your time. You know, Please, dude. Uh, Please. The, the pleasure is mine. And I, I love, you know, the more I do this, that's, you know, it's, it's my passion. It's my mission. But I love to do it. So, of course, anytime. That concludes the first episode of the Better Candidate Podcast. I want to thank everyone who listened, and I hope to have you guys listening in on future episodes. Take care.